Welcome to the Climate Pelicans Brief, a podcast bridging the gap between climate science and Louisiana frontline communities. I'm Corinne Salter. And I'm Jill Tapitza. Join us as we disentangle environmental justice issues facing Louisiana using peer-reviewed science as well as the voices and lived experiences of community leaders. Our goals are to uplift activist platforms and raise awareness about the many environmental puzzles in Louisiana. While contextualizing everything through the lens of climate crisis mitigation. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Climate Pelicans Brief. Today we bring you an episode that's both informative and rooted in one of our active LSU Climate Pelicans campaigns, divestment from the fossil fuel industry. We are so excited to cover this topic, especially Jill, who started the campaign at LSU and deeply enjoys researching weird financial rules. It's a big, uh, it's a bit of a nerdy topic, but honestly, it's so important not to overlook. Divestment is an environmental movement that both harnesses student power and undermines industry without high risk of them retaliating. So keep listening if you want to discover an empowering and inexpensive way to flip the tables on the fossil fuel industry. You can expect to learn about um, the history of this movement, a how-to guide for starting a divestment movement at your own university, and examples of of success to inspire action. Let's dive in, starting with some definitions. Divestment. Even if you don't know what it means, you can probably guess. It's the opposite of investment. Instead of putting your financial resources into something, you're taking them out of something. Mm-hmm. But it's more than just your financing or finances. It's investing in something is a vote of confidence. It's signing your name to something and saying, I believe in this. I think it will be successful and I'm looking forward to the outcomes. The most common way of casting a vote is by investing money in the stock market. Mm -hmm. You can buy shares of companies by name or you can invest in something like an index fund, which all your shares are distributed across a range of companies, which minimizes risk of your finances in case of one company or two don't do so well. Fossil fuel companies regularly benefit from these investments on a large scale. If they make money in this way year after year, banks are more likely to give them loans for new projects, which often turns into additional drilling. And we don't like that here. Hmm. So where do you come in? So you can divest your personal financial holdings from these companies by cherry picking your investments. But this often requires expertise and extra money. If you have the capacity to do this, by all means, go forth and slay. But if you're a student at a university, what happens then? University endowments, well, universities keep endowments, which are basically huge pots of money that allow these institutions to cover year to year expenses. It turns out you have access to way more money than whatever is sitting in your personal bank account. Here's an example. I'm a doctoral student at Louisiana State University, which has an endowment of just under $700 million. And on any given year, most of that $700 million is invested in the stock market. About 2 to 3% of that is invested in fossil fuel companies. That 2 to 3% number, by the way, is what we call exposure. So on any given year, between 14 and $21 million is invested by LSU into companies like Shell, ExxonMobil, BP, Chevron, and other nasties. 
Yeah, and that's not a small amount of money. That's a huge amount of money that's just passively going along to these unsavory companies. So you're saying that universities keep endowments and students have access to change the way it's invested? Not directly. Um, you can't just vote on the investments yeah. um, directly as a student. But universities are accountable to their students. And if enough students call attention to a bad investment, the university might just listen. Hmm. Okay, so let's hold that thought and circle back on the history of, the, of how divestment started and how we know it works. Okay, so one of the earliest and most successful applications of this type of social movement was divestment from apartheid South Africa in the 1980s. So apartheid was the racial separation of black and white groups in South Africa. It began in 1948. And as you can imagine, this racial separation was wrought with inequality, brutality, and even the restriction of interracial marriage. Although there were many factors in bringing about an end to this unjust regime, divestment was a, a piece of the solution. It was practiced by governments, countries, religious institutions, and universities around the world. And these institutions took their money out of companies that did business with South Africa, essentially hitting the apartheid regime right in the pocket. Ouch. Mm -hmm. um, so this financial hit accompanied by the shame on a global stage that divestment brought helped bring apartheid to an end. LSU even has legislation that was passed by their own faculty Senate in the 1980s calling for divestment from apartheid South Africa. Yeah, and divestment continued well after the 1980s to be a low-risk, high-reward practice. Um, in the U.S., the cigarette industry went from being one of the most lucrative industries to one that this day experiences the most public censure. Divestment helped bring that along by calling into question the social license of cigarette companies. Should an industry be allowed to operate in a way that endangers public health and targets children with their advertising? No, yeah. absolutely not. It's gross. And I mean, a lot of times, too, like there's even like a lot of talk and literature out there that basically shows that um, the fossil fuel industry has basically used the same tactics as the cigarette industry to kind of maintain that social license and make people truly believe that they are healthy for you and that they they deserve a place in society. But we know that's not the case, at so least true. <laughs> at least as like, you know, climate change advocates. Yeah, that's really important to point out. They are using this as a blueprint yeah. to operate. So we can use our own blueprints. Exactly. To um, so to sum up, divestment has a strong historical record of success and it accomplishes its goals in two ways. Financially undermining the unjust institution by way of investments in the stock market and two, revo revoking its social license. So now that you're familiar with the history and power of divestment, let's talk about how you can use it to bring down the fossil fuel industry by leveraging your own university's investment. By the way, this little how-to guide we're talking about is um, can also apply to cities, local governments, and mm. religious institutions. You may have power to divest even if you're not a student. Plus, we'll give you some tips and motivation for pursuing this action if you're someone living in the Deep South where connections to the fossil fuel industry are more tangible and threatening than they are in other places. Yeah, so that sounds like it would be really useful for a lot of different things, but especially for our climate, uh, for our climate movement right now. So let's get into how this works and how to do this. First off, who do you even go through at your university to even address this change? So step one, it's worth power mapping your university to answer this kind of question. How do you even tackle this? Mm -hmm. And power mapping is basically making a list or like a network about who is in power 
what positions they hold and what kind of decision-making power they have, like over what kind of decision they have. So scroll through the website of your university or university foundation and note who the president is. Most people know who the president mm-hmm. of university Ours is um, William F. Tate. Yes. Um, this person almost definitely is involved in major financial decisions or they at least have veto power over mm-hmm. major uh, changes. Next, find out who holds the endowment, a.k.a. the purse strings. <laughs> And in the case of LSU, this is the LSU Foundation. They are a university-adjacent organization that is responsible for allocating funding and managing money. A lot of larger universities will give the power of the endowment to a foundation to manage. And this is strategic financially, but it also can sometimes weaken the ties between students, student power, and the money that they give to the university. So be aware of this, especially if you're in the Deep South. Yeah. (laughs) Don't fall into that. We've kind of seen that ourselves with our campaign, so. We have. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so at LSU, we've made a map of the foundation, and you can do the same for your school. Here's what it looks like for comparison. The money is managed by an outside investment firm, uh, investment management firm, Cambridge Associates. There is also a CFO or chief financial officer who is involved in investment meetings. There is an investment committee, which is is comprised of members of the LSU board of directors. Lastly, and most importantly, there is an assistant VP of communications and marketing, um, i.e. the person whose job it is to keep the activists and advocates at arm's length from any decision making. Once you've made a power map, you can pursue three different options that we know of. So the first one is you can work with the administration. The second is you can work against the administration. Or third, you can pursue legal action like a lawsuit against your university for investment in criminal companies. We've had um, some advice from a few other divestment campaigns, including the one that's currently at Tulane University, um, that exploring more than one of these options uh, at once can really ramp up your success. Okay, so we're getting into the one of the three ways. This is feeling really serious. Did we just escalate? (laughs) Yes. And that's exactly what we need to do to make this change. We need to be scary from the perspective of the university, but don't get too scared for yourself. Um, Some universities, especially uh, smaller ones that are far away from the fossil fuel industry can go with option one alone. And that often works. Reach out to the right people like the CFO, ask for information like endowment size and fossil fuel exposure if you can't find that online and then ask for a meeting to talk about investment decisions universities are supposed to engender critical thinking ethics and philosophical questions so they should be receptive to these kinds of questions but sometimes they're not yeah especially in the deep south (laughs) and like that's the thing too is that we're using our education to liberate ourselves and so i feel like universities shouldn't stand in the way of that liberation given that they are the ones giving us the education but You'd think sometimes they take it kind of no, that's perfect. Like they're they're supposed to be like the the flagship of the state, the flagship yeah. of like how we should be operating in society. They're like churning out all these people who are supposed to be critically thinking. But like sometimes if you critically think too hard, they're like, mm, don't ask that question. Yeah, they're like, so, don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so feel free to call them out on that. By the way, yeah, like, this is what you should be doing. Exactly. Um, why aren't you doing it? Um, So independent of which option you take, it's important to demonstrate student power for your movement. So 
it's hard to do this by yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's ever been accomplished right. by yourself. So as a starting point, after you finish power mapping, we'd recommend writing a petition and garnering some sin- signatures uh, while you power map, like as you're doing this. Mm-hmm. And be sure to circulate it, not just among students, but also among graduate students, faculty, and staff. We bet you'll be pleasantly surprised with, to know um, just how many people agree with you. Yeah. And at LSU, we used a platform on change.org to host our petition, and we circulated it through communication, communication specialists in all departments, uh, which was a really good move because we got it out to a lot of students yeah. that we would otherwise not have access to. But we had such a good laugh when we sent it through like the petroleum engineering <laughs> department. We we did this on purpose. We were like, should we? And we we're like, yeah, let's do it. Why so we, not? We sent it to them and we got this really terse email back that was, that was so like, funny. please never include me in any future proceedings from this organization. And I was like... You just signed yourself up for a lifetime. Yeah. Like you got a lifetime <laughs> subscription now, buddy. Because yeah. <laughs> if there's one thing we like to do, it's, you know, annoy the fossil fuel industry. Stir so why not yeah. stir that pot? It can be a lot of fun. The pot needs to be stirred, you know? And yeah, you actually, like, you really would be surprised because even though, even at a school like LSU that is so deeply embedded and like <laughs> and in bed with the fossil fuel industry there's still a lot of professors that are i don't know in my opinion like they they work in this area and maybe even have like connections to the fossil fuel industry but that doesn't mean that they're not still critical thinkers and researchers that know the effects of what happens whenever you are so deeply embedded with the fossil fuel industry and allow it to basically wreak havoc on the state on our coastline like a lot of these professors even though maybe they have um you know, some sort of vested compromised interest in that kind of has to deal with their direct ties to the fossil fuel industry. Even then, they still are scientists at the end of the day, and they still are critical thinkers that understand. Right. They can contribute to the movement in a lot of yeah. cases, and they can, um, they they can so sign they can sign your petition and mm-hmm. if they're like i can't sign because i take money you can call them a coward and walk. don't do that <laughs> don't do don't, that don't we do don't that. advise that <laughs> you know but like you can say okay and then walk away yeah <laughs> it's no skin off your back right the more people you ask you might be pleasantly surprised just exactly. to agree with you yeah um yeah um so if your investment decision makers allow a meeting then score that's yeah that's awesome (laughs) that's further than we've gotten so you know keep trying they're like we will lock you out of the building (laughs) don't even look at us honestly i'm not kidding (laughs) so shady but yeah but you know that's awesome if you're able to do that more power to you pat yourself on the back bring a few well-informed student advocates with you make a compelling presentation and do your best um starting and maintaining a conversation with your university's administration can really speed things along so write out and communicate clear goals for example we want lsu's fossil fuel exposure to drop from two to three percent to zero percent in the next three to five years that's zero percent zero percent yeah (laughs) sorry we don't want any of it (laughs) and we've communicated that in emails to the lsu foundation as well as through written pieces in our school's newspaper 
So what happens if your school does not accept a meeting or even answer your questions? Mm. We know this can be a particular problem in the Deep South, and we have been there. We've been there. Trust us. We are there. Uh, We are there right now. (laughs) Where schools tend to accept a lot of donations from fossil fuel companies and are therefore reluctant to undermine them, they'll often use language like, we will not use this endowment to um, uh, support any kind of social movement. Mm. And don't get me started. Yeah, I can't. I can't pop <laughs> off. <We're, laughs> I could go off all day about this, but just just be aware that that is probably in your future. Yeah. But that does not mean that you're not doing the good work, and it does not mean that you're not accomplishing things because mm-hmm. you're seeding ideas, and there is nothing more dangerous than an idea. Exactly, and that's the thing is that even if it's just like a small idea that just gets out to a small group of people, the fact that you have that sort of history, that footprint of making that effort will compound efforts later on that maybe other students that even passed whenever you graduate may you know contribute to. So just keep that in mind. And yeah, If your school doesn't accept a meeting, or even if it does, and you just want to ramp up the energy, it might be time to pursue option two, work against the administration. (laughs) (laughs) We love option two. It's so fun. And let's talk a little bit more about what this looks like on the ground. Um, But I love that you can work both with the admin and against admin all at once. Mm -hmm. It emphasizes that the point of divestment or any social movement really is to make changes, not make friends with the admins. Like they were not your friends before this they don't need to be your friends afterward (laughs) there's not really a rule book you just go hog wild yeah Um, and i like that you say like they weren't your friend to begin with like now the only difference is just that they might know your name right you're not here to make friends yeah you're not here to make (laughs) friends i mean you're here to make your point known and honestly like that's the beginning of it so honestly all school administrations uh should have taken this action um, 30 plus years ago, the divestment. So don't feel bad if you're working with, if you're working with as well as against them. This is a social change. It's normal to put people in power in uncomfortable positions. If you're still feel, feeling weird, appoint separate groups in your organization to tackle different issues. So send a group to deal with admins, send a group to work against them. Okay, so we're starting to get into the really fun part. Working against the administration usually means public demonstration. Um, <laughs> use, your, use your creativity here, y'all. Um, do rallies, protests, u- newspaper articles, etc. Draw attention to your cause. Get signatures on your petitions. We've seen examples of signage um, to put around your inver- uh, university, flash mobs, classic marches, and sit-ins. Yes. Like- All kinds of stuff. Like, just... You know, Get be creative. creative. Yeah. Look up some ideas online. People have done some really interesting things. Or make up your own idea. Just yeah. like get creative and have fun with it. Have fun with it. Like, I mean, even though this is a really daunting issue, I think that something that I've realized as like a climate advocate and somebody that's really trying to make a change in such a what feels like unchanging and unwavering state, such as Louisiana, um, it really is important to build that sort of community and get creative and have fun with what you do because at the end of the day, this is supposed to be empowering and there are going to be actors that are working against you, players in this, like in your own administration that are going to be working against you and have actively been working against you from day one. So you really need to find ways to empower yourself. And that can be in very creative ways, like rallies, protests, open mic nights, you know, getting creative and really expelling that anxiety that you have and that passion that you have, that fire that you have. Um, It can't all be, you know, 
negative like it can it can be something really positive that is actually helping you sustain your movement for even longer so i love that you bring that up because i think having fun is like absolutely essential it knits your group together you are going to be relying on people Mm -hmm. and these moments where you're having fun and having a good time those are good moments and they absolutely do power your social movement forward for sure yeah bring that up thank you yeah Yeah. i'm i'm i wanted to say that because for me it's like it does feel really overwhelming a lot of times whenever you feel like you're working against such like sometimes what feels like a runaway train but um you know having those moments where you can empower yourself and empower other people and just be around like-minded people that care about the same thing and are there you know struggling and triumphing right there with you that's really important so yeah right. our open mic nights and our like yes. banner making nights are so fun yes. i think they really energize people so if you're looking for ideas yes <laughs> we'll tell you more about yeah. that <laughs> um but yeah So make sure to research the rules around protesting on your campus. Every university has different policies um, on flyering, chalking, amplified sound, using public spaces, and pretty much any avenue you need to get your point across. So if you're not sure what the rules are, meet with a student advocate. This is probably a department and ask. As a starting point, especially within the Deep South, it's best to stick with these requirements to ensure the safety of the activists that are following you. So as fun as this can be and as creative as we want you to get um, and as much as we want you to build community, make sure that you're doing it within the within the rules and within the guidelines of your school and be aware of those so that it doesn't end up harming your movement or your the people that are a part of it right yeah and like yeah. we're not here to tell you how to protest if it's just yeah. for the safety of your, <laughs> exactly. your people and universities should really be okay with these things mm-hmm. but just be aware that if your university opposes the idea of divestment they might try to stop you using right. scare tactics and these scare tactics can be pretty scary yeah. um so we've got a couple of considerations for your safety be mindful of the rules hostile administrations may use the police to disband and arrest these movements the Climate Pelicans at LSU mm-hmm. have been recipients of this. And let us tell you, it is flipping scary. Yeah. They work. They don't stop us, but they slow they us don't, down. Yeah. And that's the thing is that social change requires progressive and sometimes radical action. And it's anything that's outside of what's established as the current norm, which is literally destroying our planet right now. Climate change. It's the norm to continue um basically facilitating a space for fossil fuel industry even though it shouldn't be that's the case right now and anything outside of what's the norm is going to be considered radical so just keep that in mind that social change requires progress it requires action outside of the norms and uh, we just want you to be aware of some of the things that can come against that because we are working against an institution that does need a change but isn't always welcoming of change so That's really important to keep in mind. Um, So yeah, social change really means breaking the rules sometimes. Um, A sit-in breaks the rules in a peaceful manner. Many university students leading divestment campaigns have hosted sit-ins in admin buildings. They usually demand, divest from fossil fuels or we'll sit here until you do. It's something to work up to once your movement has has garnered enough support and the administration has failed to react favorably. Or if you feel you're close to success. 
Let your university administration know your plans and count down the days before hosting a sit-in or any other event that breaks the rules. Um, Sit-ins should be accepted as pivotal movements in history or pivotal moments in history and the advent of positive social change. But the reality is that sometimes they're not, especially in the Deep South where actions against fossil fuel companies are considered a bad thing, like I said. Please be mindful as your movement can often attract a lot of um, BIPOC individuals as they are traditionally the most impacted by climate change. This is incredible, courageous, and courageous on on the part of these individuals and an authentic asset to your movement. But also be aware that police treat BIPOC individuals really brutally and violently and sometimes lethally. This is 100% unacceptable, but it is also a reality that that requires consideration as a leader. BIPOC safety should be a top priority. As a leader of the organization, that means communicating to your members the risks of any action and allowing those individuals to make the decision for themselves on whether or not they are willing to participate. Some organizations make contact with lawyers before a sit-in or other, other, um, or other events that might break the rules and allow participants to write their phone numbers on their bodies so that if arrested or incarcerated, they have the information they need to resolve the situation. As an example, we have not done a sit-in at at LSU because the administration is so hostile that we don't feel it is safe for the students of of any color at this time to do so. Well, hopefully we can get there at some point, but yeah. it, absolutely not right now. Not right now. <laughs> <laughs> not safe. These people are not safe. Um, so we will refer you to gofossilfree.org for additional content on how to begin and amplify your own divestment movement if there's not currently one at your university or wherever you are that you want to start it, um, if you can't just join one. And there are great some, some really great re- resources on this website that can walk you through it. Climate Pelican started with no knowledge on this topic, and this website really moved us forward at an R1 university in the Deep South, and we are continuing to march on in our third year of our movement. Yes. So trying to keep that sustained pressure. Yeah, keep up the pressure. Um, So in summary, working against the administration is public demonstration. Loud, sustained pressure on administration will erode their resolve to maintain the status quo over time. So be persistent. Also, be sure to call your media outlets so that you can get the most media coverage for your action. If a tree falls in the woods and no one hears it, 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 I mean, it fell, but... Yeah, don't don't be alone in this, basically. Don't be like that lonely, silent tree. Right, you people, can have like the best march in the world, but if right. like, nobody sees it, but the people who are actually marching, then did it really? I mean, it did happen, but like... Yeah, but it doesn't have the same impact. Yeah, right. it doesn't have the same splash. People want to know. People do want to know about it. And even the people who hate the idea and don't believe in what you're marching for whatsoever they still want to hear about it because they will still talk because it is the deep south and we love <laughs> yes, our tea we exactly love, we love, love gossip. we love spilling the tea you know and so like let that be known what you're doing and amplify it in whatever you whatever way you can through media coverage um you know through sharing on social media you know that's social media is in our hands so we can actually really bolster a lot of our movements through the use of social media um and yeah people want to know about it even the people that are against it want to know about it too so that they can talk crap about it (laughs) yeah people love to do that so just like get it out there yes It it can only work in your favor exactly okay so let's circle back to the third option to encourage university changes filing a legal complaint 
Uh, is it illegal to invest your money like a criminal? I mean, it should be. <laughs> um, not exactly. But by investing in fossil fuel companies, your university is breaking one very specific rule mm. that probably was not a part of your high school history curriculum. So get ready for that. It is called the Uniform Prudent Management of Institutional Funds Act. Can we get a no. mic drop? That is a mouthful. Yeah, that is a mouthful. It's a very specific rule. I told you. Um, and this act... <laughs> requires universities to invest in a way that is congruent with quote charitable purposes oh and let me guess the legal argument for this is that investing in fossil fuel uh, companies which perpetuate harm to the environment human health and are very existent on planet earth is not exactly a charitable purpose not to mention it's not a sound financial investment according to many investors as well as common sense and that's absolutely correct. Um, this method of pushing universities to divest through filing a legal complaint has actually been very successful. And it's come. this is a more new approach, and it's come a long way, particularly in the last year. Harvard, Princeton, MIT, Stanford, and Vanderbilt have all taken this pro- approach. And just this year, Harvard finally announced its plan to divest after a grueling 10-year divestment campaign. They oh literally started at the beginning, wow. and they have had this incredible movement, but Harvard's like, no, for so long. This is one of the things that was the tipping point for them. Well, go Harvard. I'm very proud of them. That's so awesome. And like, yeah, good job, guys. Yeah. We don't know you. We don't know you, but we do know you. Well, we do know you. <laughs> okay. So, how is this done on the ground? Aren't lawsuits costly? Okay, so instead of um, suing schools directly, students at these universities appealed to their state attorney generals. Mm. They wrote letters asking the state attorney general in each of the states that their school was in to investigate criminal investments made by their schools, citing the UPMIFA and the climate crisis. And this was smart on a couple of fronts. Mm. First, writing letters cost nothing. The worst that can happen is that they don't reply. Nothing happens. Um, the second is that calling on an investigation for your school threatens to weaken its reputation. And if you've heard the schools that are that I just called out here, they are all about reputation. Oh, yeah. um, administrations might be more likely to hear you as an activist if they feel that you pose a threat by starting an investigation and getting media coverage for it. They will flip out. So filing a legal complaint is a viable avenue to consider if you want to start a divestment movement at your school. It also might be worth leaning on some quality environmental lawyers like those at the Climate Defense Project for their opinions. And that's what these five schools use. They use lawyers from that um, that firm, but yeah, that project. Um, but there are a lot of different organizations that can help you with this. Yeah, for sure. And the thing is, is that we haven't filed legal complaints yet at LSU, though. Why is that? Um, if we were to take the same approach as these five schools we just talked about, we would have to appeal to our state <laughs> attorney general, who's Jeff. Yeah, (laughs) locally known as Mm. the Atchafalaya Gremlin or that goose that's running for governor. (laughs) He doesn't even believe in climate change. Yeah, no, it's not going to work. We just that way. He's not. He's hmm. not everything. He's not. He's not everything. <laughs> he's not really anything. I mean, besides our attorney general, which and like a huge threat to yeah. our state. Exactly. So. Uh, yeah, wouldn't he have a laugh if he were to read a legal, a legal complaint like that? I'm not even sure he can read it. <laughs> <laughs> oh so writing a letter like this probably would 
not be successful. It wouldn't go like, over well. It wouldn't. Not at like, all. what's this? Um, <laughs> so we'll just, if we're going to take this approach, we'll just have to go back to the drawing board and come up with a different legal approach. But y'all in the Northeast with sympathetic yes. attorney generals, go wild. Threaten your school with an investigation and see what comes out of it. All right. So you know why divestment from fossil fuels is important. You know now three major ways that you can pursue it at your own school. But what has the movement as a whole accomplished so far? As an overview, the fossil fuel divestment movement was begun in part by Bill McKibben in 2012 and has since then resulted in 1,597 institutions divesting. Yes. Uh, About 36% of those are actually religious institutions. So I find that amazingly surprising good job guys um our faith-based people yeah um 15.8 percent are universities in total 40.51 trillion dollars have been divested since 2012 and that is more that's ever been cited as needed to bolster america's electric grid and convert us to renewable energies completely that's so cool yeah that's also higher than the gdp of the united states wow plus more like not even so just sit on that a moment. Yeah. More than our GDP um, by many fold. Wow. Yeah. So divestment clearly really works. Um, financially undermining fossil fuel companies has real consequences for them, but it's only because the movement is large enough to shift their value in the stock market and make banks see them as a bad investment. And that's exactly what they are. Um, once again, we see that collective action is the way to win fights against climate change. Um, Shell has acknowledged the divestment movement in addition to protests as one of the reasons for abandoning an Arctic drilling project after sinking $7 billion into it. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Stop something like that, at least in part. Like, exactly. Keep it going by all means. Plus, it costs nothing. It costs very little. It's just like a few smart um, investors making like snipping and clipping here and there and like basically doing what they're hired to do. It costs very little. It has very little financial risk. And as we know, like a lot of climate, um, a lot of climate solutions can be very costly Mm -hmm. for governments and taxpayers, et cetera. This is one that costs nothing. You only have everything to win from it. Um, but what's more, like arguably more important than financially undermining companies like Shell, ExxonMobil, BP, and Chevron is stripping them of their social license to operate in society. If the threat of climate change dictates that we need to phase out fossil fuels as swiftly as possible, creating a social environment that freezes their projects and assets is an essential piece of that phase out. Yeah. We need the public to see them as the filthy wind turbine snubbing billionaires that they are and make them pariahs on their own turf. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. It's a little yeah that was a little snide but i we gotta but, leave it in there. but like no lies were detected so, <laughs> so. all right if i pass that you pass test, the test don't it's worry fine. i can call them filthy and be okay with it the lie detector test says that it's true awesome so. love to see it love to see it okay so now for our favorite part our cost. 
to action. Uh, we want you to feel empowered to start or join a divestment movement. But for this, we'll keep it quick and easy. LSU has an active divestment campaign. And because we're in the Deep South, it's difficult to garner support for it. If you want to help us, please sign our petition, which we will link in the show notes and is also available on our link tree. Um, and if you're an LSU student or a Louisiana local and want to help us in person, we'd like to cordially invite you to our climate week 2023 yes which is going to be taking place november 6th through the 10th our annual climate rally and march for divestment will occur on november 10th at 3 p.m in the amphitheater on campus and we will link a flyer and you can also find more on our social media yeah follow our socials for updates in case we have to change anything between now and then yes as always thanks for listening everyone thank you Bye. <laughs>